Welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on Thursday the 29th of September and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Catherine Neal and the team this week comprises Alex Gwynn as recording engineer and our readers today are Jane Fires and Dill Porter. Hello. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and and hope you enjoy our recording. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, some sport, and then finishing up with a thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and, of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We'd like to apologise this week in particular because last week the, there was an absence of the recording. Um, there was no engineer, which I'm very sorry to have to report. Talking newspaper did talk to BBC Hereford and Worcester the next day and we understand they put out an announcement, which you may have heard, but nevertheless we are sorry about that. Um, also, there may be some disruption to deliveries um, due to proposed postal strikes, so just to alert you to that uh, in advance. Uh, finally, the, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR51DA. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers which Jane is going to supply. Wilds Lane, 01905 767766. Listeners should be aware that this is not manned daily and need to be patient if reply is required. Police Non-Emergency 101 NHS Direct 111 Out of Hours Medical Assistance 0300 123 3211 between 6 and 8pm Crime Stoppers 0800 555 111 Worcester Hub 01905 765 765 Worcester County Council here to help. 01905 768053, option 3. Community Risk Team Fire Safety. 0800 032 1155. Domestic Abuse Helpline. 0800 980 Sense Adventures Walking for the Visually Impaired. D. Jones, 01684 891297 or 07920 144614. Samaritans, 116123. Worcester Live, 0195-611-427. Malvern Theatres, 01684-892277. And there's a new number to add. Western Power is now to be called National Grid, 
and its number is 0800 917 7953. Use in the event of a power cut. It has a 24 hour service. Thank you, Jane. And now a brief summary of some of the things that are on in the next couple of weeks that you may be interested in. If you're a David Bowie fan, for example, next Saturday, the 8th of October, um, Bowie-esque, one of the UK's leading David Bowie tribute acts. Um, They'll be playing all the hits and choice album cuts. That will be at the Huntingdon Hall um, at 7.30pm. And it, the cost of the ticket is £19. So you should phone um, to book 01905 611 427. And to repeat, that's on the 8th of October. On the 15th of October, if your taste is slightly different, The King of Swing, starring Ray Quinn, will be on at the Swan Theatre. Tickets are £24 and it will begin at 7.30pm. This concert features all the greatest hits of Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra and many more timeless classics from the stars of Swing and Rat Pack. Once again, the number to phone to book a ticket is 01905 611 427. That's on the 15th of October. Um, if you your tastes are for poetry, on Sunday, October the 9th at 3pm, um, as part of the Malvern in Autumn Festival, there'll be an illustrated talk on A. Houseman, a Worcestershire lad, by Julian Hunt. That will be at the Coach House Theatre, Grange Road, in Great Malvern, and the cost for that will be £8.96. The box office to phone is 01684 The day before, on Saturday, October the 8th, at 3pm and at 7pm, there's an interesting play called The Gardening Times, a humorous and engaging play, the publicity says. Tickets are £15, and it's from the original radio series broadcast on BHBN. It'll be performed by the Natura Contemporary Theatre Company, and it tells the story of how a North Gloucestershire garden was created by the lady of the house, the head gardener, the undergardener, and he who cuts the grass. That will also be at the Coach House Theatre in Great Malvern, once again, just to repeat, Saturday, October the 8th at 3pm and again at 7pm. So now we'll move on to the headline stories. And Dill, first of all, we'll read out the headlines and then begin with the first story. Okay, Uh, Friday, September the 23rd. I'm worried chimney is going to fall on us. Father's fears for family over rat-infested danger. A worried dad says a wonky rat infested chimney is in danger of falling down and crushing him and his wife to death in their bed. Carl Lloyd will not even let his two children in the bedroom at the semi-detached house in Hollins Lane, Martley, because he's concerned the leaning chimney will fall down, crashing through the roof onto their heads. However, housing bosses at Platform say they will be completing work on the chimney pots next month, but the chimney itself does not require any structural work. The 53-year-old, whose bedroom is directly directly below the chimney, said he and his wife Tina, who suffers from multiple 
atherosclerosis have been in contact on multiple occasions with landlords platform housing to try and get the issue and several other issues resolved. The family who had been living in Mill Street in Worcester moved in four years ago to the three-bedroomed house in Martley. However, they say nothing has been done to fix the chimney, an issue which he first reported two years ago and much of the work they have had to do themselves. The former civil engineer also says he has found dead rats inside the chimney which he has blocked up and a sinkhole outside the bank door. Mr Lloyd says he has been told by a platform surveyor the whole building should be condemned for, should should have been condemned four years ago when they first moved in. He said the house appears to be cracking down the middle. They, platform, said there's nothing they can do about the rats. About two months ago I found ten to twenty rats all dead. I filled a black bin bag with them. They were nesting inside, it's disgusting. However, Mr Lloyd, who has a heart condition and cannot work, said his main concern remains the chimney coming down on top of him or someone else in his family. He said, I'm worried the chimney's going to come down and fall on me. Uh, I've a good mind to pull it down onto the car park. I get very worried when it's windy. We have even moved our bed to the other side of the room. I certainly won't let my children play in the room, not with the chimney hanging over. There's got to be a ton of bricks up there. Platform housing was supposed to take it down. The house was going to be condemned by a surveyor, but we've, we had nowhere else to go. It's been going on for nearly four years. If the chimney kills us in our sleep, I want to let everyone know I did report it, so it's Platform's fault we died. Marion Duffy, Chief Operations Officer at Platform Housing Group, said, We are in contact with Mr Lloyd and will be erecting scaffolding to repair the chimney pots next month. The chimney itself has been surveyed by our team and does not require any structural work. Weapon close to school is the next headline, 24th of September. And this is about a 33-year-old man who's been arrested for theft and having an offensive weapon just yards from a school following a police manhunt. Patrol officers descended in large numbers to the Arboretum in Worcester before making an arrest at the back of a property in Flag Meadow Walk. West Mercia Police received reports of suspicious activity, including a man trying car door handles and acting swiftly on the intelligence. Officers were searching back streets and gardens before locating and arresting a suspect. Witnesses said officers were searching for a man dressed in black with a black backpack. With a black backpack. Officers confirmed the backpack and hat had been recovered before they made the arrest. Mum of two, Catherine Mulvey, 39, of Worcester, said... As I was driving my daughter to school, about four police officers came running down Lansdowne Street. They were clearly looking for someone and were shouting and pointing. It was quite concerning, as at that time of the morning there are lots of children around. I noticed there was another couple of officers down a side street near Somerset Place. It had looked like they may have had a taser or something, but they were clearly waiting for someone. A police officer spoke to me and asked if I'd seen a man dressed all in black with a black bag, which I hadn't. When I left, there was a police van and several cars parked near to the Chestnut pub. 
I drove past more officers, including some in plain clothes in Flagmeadow Walk, who were outside a house and seemed to be looking into a garden. There were at least four police cars and a police van in the area. She later described a suspect being taken to the waiting police van and a senior detective has also confirmed details of that arrest. D.I. David Knight of South Worcestershire Proactive CID, part of West Mercia Police, said we had a call from a member of the public reporting suspicious behaviour, someone trying car door handles. As a result of that, patrol officers were deployed and we have located and arrested a 33-year-old local male on suspicion of theft from a motor vehicle, theft and possession of an offensive weapon. He was found in the rear of a property in Flagmeadow Walk. D.I. Knight added he will be going to Worcester Police Station custody where he will be processed. If there's anyone that has been a victim of vehicle crime within Worcester City, can they make sure they report it? Reports can be made to West Mercia via 101. In the event of a crime in progress, members of the public are advised to call 999. Okay, it's now on Monday the 26th of September, 14-year wait for shower. Right, this story begins, a man was told by his social housing supplier that he would have to wait 14 years to have a shower installed. Richard Kite, who lives in Crickley Drive, Warnden, says he was forced to take baths, wasting money and water compared to a shower. Despite this, Platform Housing had told him he could not have a shower installed until 2036. Since being contacted by the Worcester News, Platform has contacted Mr Kite and agreed to install a shower for him. Mr Kite, who's over six foot, said he wanted Platform to explain the delay and why it is such a lengthy process. The 43-year-old said he was not being ungrateful, but it was difficult for him to use the bath due to his height, and he worries about slipping and injuring himself. He said, I've been living here for 14 months and only have a little bath in here. I'm six foot three, so a shower is way more suitable, but Platform says I can't have one until 2036. By then I'll be 60 years old. I just don't get it. 14 years is just mad, and I've been fobbed off by everyone I've gone to for help on this. We're being asked to save water and save energy, so surely a shower is better than a bath for that. As a tenant, Mr Kite pays his own water and energy bills, with energy regulator Offwatt saying more should be done to save water with utility bills set to skyrocket this winter. One of their recommendations is to take showers instead of baths, with a standard five-minute shower using about 40 litres of water, roughly half the volume of a standard bath. Responding to Mr Kite, Platform Chief Operations Officer Marion Duffy confirmed the organisation had been in contact with the tenant. She said, Before Mr Kite moved in, in July 2021, we surveyed the bathroom and it was deemed satisfactory. However, we understand Mr Kite's need for a shower, have been in touch with him and have agreed to fitting a new shower. OK. Tuesday, um, Tuesday the 27th of September. Um, this is a story that will run this week and I'm sure next as well. Warriors suspended. Crisis club heading into administration after missing RFU deadline to continue in competitions. 
Worcester Warriors have been suspended from all rugby competition before being placed into administration just over an hour later. The Rugby Football Union confirmed the club's suspension after it failed to meet a 5pm deadline to provide evidence to the RFU, that's the Rugby Football Union, and Premiership Rugby, that it could finance the remainder of the 2022-23 season. Just after 6.30, the Department for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport confirmed the club had acted upon the director's request for the club to be placed into administration. In a statement, DCMS said, We understand the past few months have been difficult for the players, staff and fans of Worcester Warriors Rugby Football Club. We have worked round the clock with the club's directors, the um, PRL and the RFU, to explore all possible options, but during this time the owners have been unable to secure new investment for the club. In order to give the club the best possible chance of survival and to protect a significant taxpayer investment, we have today agreed to the director's request to place the club into administration. We will now apply to the court to appoint administrators and will begin work to explore all possible options to protect creditors and preserve the local rugby offering in Worcester. Announcing the club's suspension, a statement from the RFU said, the owners of Worcester Warriors have not met the RFU's 5pm deadline to evidence insurance cover, availability of funds to meet the monthly payroll and a credible plan to take the club forward. The RFU has therefore suspended Worcester Warriors from all competitions, including the Gallagher Premiership, Alliance Premier 15s, Under-18s Academy Cup and Alliance Cup with immediate effect. RFU Chief Executive Bill Sweeney said, We appreciate this is incredibly difficult news for fans, staff and players. We would like to thank the staff and players who have worked tirelessly over recent weeks to enable matches to continue. We met with players and staff last week to explain why this action would be necessary and regrettably, without assurances in place, we've had to take this action to protect everyone's best interests. We hope a buyer can be secured to allow Worcester Warriors and the University of Worcester, University of Worcester Warriors to return to professional league rugby. While it's the responsibility of each business owner to manage their individual finances, we will look at what we can learn from this situation to see what regulation can be put in place to provide all parties with more financial transparency. Rugby is a relatively young professional sport and it has been widely recognised that clubs have been facing financial challenges even before COVID. Successful professional leagues are vital for the well-being of the whole game. They inspire current and future players, delight fans by showcasing high skill levels and the exciting nature of our game. This is why it's so important that we continue to work with Premiership Rugby to improve the structure, governance and business model of rugby union in, in England. The RFU will continue to support community rugby in Worcester and it's fully committed to ensuring local academy opportunities are provided for pathway players. And the next one, Wednesday the 28th of September, is Probe Call for Warriors. So it's a follow-up story. An MP wants investigation into the network of companies at a club. Worcester MP Robin Walker is calling for ministers to probe all transactions at Worcester Warriors in the last two years. 
He has also asked ministers to investigate the complex network of holding companies in which the assets of the club are being held. There are currently several companies which deal with aspects of six ways, including the ground, hospitality and the car park. The MP welcomed warriors being put into administration in what he called a deeply worrying time for the club. He has been calling for administration to be taking place and raised the plight of the rugby club in Parliament last week and questioned the finances, including a loan from the late Cecil Duckworth, who was the club's benefactor for many years. The club was suspended from all competitions on Monday. It is believed the club has appointed administrators. Mr Walker said, I'm grateful that the Department for Culture, Media and Sport have listened to and acted on the concerns of fans, staff and players at the Warriors and the many teams that they support. Securing the future of Six Ways is a priority for us all and I'm profoundly grateful for the support of all my Worcestershire colleagues in Parliament, local councils and so many constituents. It was an honour to be able to speak up in Parliament for my team and if it's made a small difference to the chances of this process working through in a positive way, I shall be forever grateful. I know that this must be still a worrying time for all staff at Six Ways and every fan that loves this club. The players showed true warrior spirit to deliver a weekend of victories and I'm hopeful to see them back in winning form before very long at all. It's clear that the administrators will have the whole rugby world urging them to succeed. Mr Walker said he's been in touch with both the consortia who have expressed an interest in playing the club out of administration and urged them to contact the administrators immediately to explore how they can help to accelerate the process. Rapid action will ensure that all the assets at and around Six Ways are secured for the club, he added. The club was put into administration after weeks of financial uncertainty under owners Colin Golding and Jason Whittingham. Golding and Whittingham missed a deadline of 5pm on Monday to prove they could safeguard Warriors' future. OK, and our final headline story... The front page is Thursday the 27th of September, 29th of September. Parking fees at the double. Drivers left furious as multiple charges taken from accounts. Worcester drivers are concerned money has wrongly been taken out of their bank accounts in three-figure sums for parking charges. Drivers fear multiple payments have been taken out of their bank accounts when they're liable for less. However, Worcester City Council said a computer software issue has resulted in separate payments leaving customers' bank accounts all at once. Emma Pearson said she has six transactions taken out of her bank account. She is concerned for those who may not be able to afford to wait for the money to be returned. She said, I've had six transactions taken at £5 each from Newport Street Car Park. There are five which are therefore duplicate transactions. I bank with Barclays and I've had to raise them as fraudulent transactions with the bank, which was a nightmare in itself as they're having issues with their phone lines. I appreciate mistakes can happen and it's not been done intentionally. However, my concern is how quickly the money will be repaid to me. I can afford to wait, but I'm sure many cannot. 
Andy Ginn, who is a chef at the Oil Basin pub, is annoyed as he's had over £200 taken from his bank account by Worcester City Council in the last 48 hours for parking he hasn't done. Mr Ginn said, Yesterday I had three payments taken out for St Martin's Gate car park where I've never parked. I park at Newport Street Car Park or Copenhagen Street Car Park around three times a week, ever since June. I got in touch with my bank because I thought that someone had used my card. But this morning I had 20 parking transactions taken out through another bank card, all of them at the same time. It's now added up to 48 transactions and a total of £234. Mr Ginn has a card under a third bank that he's now emptied out of fear that the same thing will happen again. He added, my bills come out in a few days, so what am I supposed to do? When you call the council, you can only leave a voicemail. And when you email, you get a generic email back. I called and emailed at 9am and I still haven't heard anything. I'm worried that more will be taken. Indeed. I would be too, I think. Anyway, that's the end of the headline stories, and and we're now going to carry on with a selection of other stories from this week's news. Okay, well, we'll start with one about the museum service um, from Saturday the 24th of September. Around the world in a museum store. Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum cares for and displays objects from around the world. Many were collected by members of the Royal Navy on scientific expeditions, but also by residents of Worcester. One such souvenir came from Brazil and was gifted to the museum to look after in 1974 by Mrs E. Bennett of Worcester. This Brazil nutshell has been turned on a lathe with windows carved out to expose the nuts inside. These were sold as interesting curiosity pieces to the tourist market. This has been documented in the collection as a nut puzzle, but in reality, the only way to get at the nuts is to break it open. The Brazil nut comes from a large tree which can reach up to 50 metres tall, making it one of the largest trees in the Amazon rainforest. These trees can live for 500 years, some even reach 1,000 years of age. The Brazil nut is native to South America and the fruit has a hard, woody shell in which the nuts are packed like the segments of an orange. They can grow up to 15 centimetres in diameter and therefore can be quite heavy. As a consequence, when they fall, they can cause serious damage to cars and injure anyone standing beneath them. You can see this fascinating nutshell and many other objects in the Around the World in Worcester tour at the Museum Collection Centre in October. Explore the incredible World Cultures Collection with the curator and see recently conserved objects. Mm. And this is about 11,000 homes in plan. A huge planning blueprint, which will set out where thousands of homes will be built across the south of the county, has finally been made public after years of delays. The revised South Worcestershire Development Plan, the SWDP, which sets out how more than 11,000 new homes will be built by 2041, includes plans for a huge new 5,000-home town at Worcester Parkway Station near Worcester and a massive new 2,000-home town at Throckmorton Airfield near Pershaw and an extra 1,000 new homes in Rushwick. 
This is on top of the 28,400 planned for up to 2030 in the existing SWDP, the majority of which have already been built. It's also been revealed that the two new towns would grow even bigger in the future, with 5,000 more homes expected to be built at Worcestershire Parkway after 2041, alongside another 3,000 at Throckmorton. The review of the plan has been hampered by years of setbacks, but it's now finally been published in its most complete form almost three years later than originally planned. The revised SWDP shows that half of the proposed new town at Worcestershire Parkway would be built in the next 20 years and would then be expected to double in size, eventually including two new secondary schools, seven primary schools, a new college and a special educational needs school. The vision for Throckmorton also includes two new schools, a new link road from the A44 and a new walking and cycling route between the homes and an expanded Pershaw railway station, which would include a second platform, new passenger bridge and a 500-space car park. Almost 50 acres of space would also be set aside as a minimum for employment land, including shops, restaurants and offices and other business units. Up to 1,000 homes would also be built in Rushwick, alongside a new railway station, primary school, shops and sports facilities. On top of the showpiece work included in the SWDP, 866 more homes would be built in Worcester, alongside the 916 in Droitwich, 255 new homes in Evesham, 594 homes in Malvern, 212 new homes in Pershaw as well as the 1,069 homes in villages across the Witchhaven district and 376 new homes in villages across the Malvern Hills district. The City Council's Place and Economic Development Committee will discuss the revised plan on October the 3rd. Thank you, Jane. Um, This story is entitled The Hunt Continues for a Man Who Bought Underpants. Police have yet to speak to a man filmed buying used underwear from a boy in a disturbing video shared online, sparking concern from parents. West Mercia has confirmed there are no updates after the man was recorded buying the boxer shorts from the boy in Worcester City Centre earlier this month. The video has now been widely shared on social media. Footage has been described by police as deeply concerning. Last week, they said they wanted to speak to the man in the video urgently, despite his actions not qualifying as a criminal offence. The incident happened in St Martin's Quarter on September 2nd. Footage showed a bald man appearing to pay cash for a teenage boy's boxer shorts and socks outside Sports Direct. Boxing coach and Malvern father of one, John D.P. Shaw, who shared the video on his Facebook page, is responsible for coaching young people and expressed concern that the man had still not been spoken to by police. He believes his original Facebook post about the man's actions 
so far shared 234 times, prompted a statement from police about the man's behaviour. Mr Shaw said, People in the community are outraged and now the police have to take note. Despite concerns raised by members of the public and from West Mercia police officers, the force does not believe a criminal offence has been committed at this stage. A spokesperson for West Mercia police said last week, On Saturday, September the 3rd, we received a report that a man had approached a 15-year-old boy in Silver Street, Worcester, and offered to pay cash for his boxer shorts and socks as part of a social experiment. The boy agreed and sold the items to the man who's described as being bald and about 5 foot 9 inches. The incident happened the previous day, Friday, September the 2nd, at about 3.30pm. Whilst no criminal offence has been reported, officers investigating this incident are keen to identify the man and hear from anyone else who's aware of similar approaches being made to other people. Inspector Fergus Green, Worcester Safer Neighbourhoods Inspector, said the actions reported to us do not constitute a criminal offence but are deeply concerning and could lead to or be an indicator of criminal activity. We're therefore keen to trace the man involved and establish what his intentions were. Okay. This is a story of uh, headed back home after 50 years down under. An 83-year-old grandmother who grew up in Worcester but has lived in Australia for 50 years has made a special trip back to the city. Ruby, Ruby McGrow has spent the last six weeks in Worcester enjoying meals and days out with loved ones, even catching up with a friend that she's known for 70 years. Ruby was born and bred in the city before she decided with her late husband, Frank, to move to Sydney, Australia in 1972. But the distance hasn't meant that Ruby has lost touch with everyone back home. In fact, social media has brought them closer in recent years. She's still a part of the Worcester News Camera Club group on Facebook and says that she enjoys taking selfies and posting them on her personal page. Ruby has been staying with her family, uh, her nephew and, and his family, while in the UK, the first time she's been back since the pandemic. I've had an amazing trip, she said. I've met with so many old friends, had meals out and even had a trip to Wales. I met with my one friend who I've known for 70 years. That was lovely. The weather has been brilliant too. Speaking about why she moved, Ruby explained how it cost £20 for the family of four to start a new life down under, a scheme that was popular in the 1960s and 70s. We felt it was the best move to make. My husband was a bricklayer and it got terribly cold here in the winter. Ruby said. It was hard at first, and of course we were homesick, but we couldn't afford to come back. Sydney's a great place. People are very friendly, and I'm always out socialising and meeting friends. Ruby said, despite enjoying the Aussie heat, she misses nights back home. I miss the twilight back here in England, she added. It gets, so, it gets dark so quick in Australia, and here it can still be light. But I love the Australian weather and the way of life. People love to spend time out and about where I feel like here in Worcester we spend more time staying at home. I love walking and still try to get my 10,000 steps a day in. I even won an award from the Heart Foundation for my walking. 
Ruby will be making the long journey back on Wednesday the 28th of September and landing in Australia on Friday at 6am. Her grandchildren will pick her up from the airport. I'd like to thank everyone, she said, for giving me such an amazing time in the last few weeks. It's been so lovely to see everyone and I've had the best trip. The next story is about how the city's barn owl group took flight. Back in the early 1960s, the Wharf Hotel at Holt Fleet was reckoned to be one of the best places to go to hear a good rock group. Roy Wood, Denny Lane and Carl Wayne all brought their bands down from Birmingham, while Cliff Ward and the cruisers arrived from Stourport to rattle the rafters in the Riverside pub. But the Wharf has also another claim to fame, for it was there at the same point in time that the idea for the Worcester Barn Owl Society first took flight. Passing the venue one evening in his dad's car, Roy Fowler happened to spot a young barn owl in the grass beside the road. Assuming it had not been ejected from the dance hall for being drunk and disorderly, he stopped and picked it up. He gently placed the little bird on the bonnet of the car to take a better look. There it remained for a few moments until, much to his surprise, it suddenly flew away. It must have been just stunned after flying into the car, said Roy, because it had no obvious sign of injury. But the experience was to have an even happier ending, because it began Roy Fowler's lifelong love of barn owls and led to the formation of a conservation body that has done so much to aid the species over the years. For some time, the work was all a bit loose-knit, but in 1989 it was put on a more formal footing, when Roy, Paul Baker and Drew Law founded the Worcester Barn Owl Society, which has later become the Worcester Barn Owl Conservation Group. The trio shared a common concern for the plight of the barn owl and its fast-declining population, and set out to educate and enlighten the public. They began to liaise with farmers and landowners, encouraging them to create a suitable habitat for barn owls, as well as rescuing injured owls, restoring them to good health and returning them to the wild. One of the most important aspects of the job has been the erection of nesting boxes throughout the area to encourage the owls to breed, and recently two were put up in Hallow near Worcester to recognise the efforts of villagers Peter Crow and Dave Cleary, who both died recently. Roy said Peter and Dave were actively involved, enthusiastic supporters of the barn owl conservation activities and worked tirelessly for many years. We've been delighted to erect next boxes, complete with brass name plaques in their memory. Of course, promoting the cause of the barn owl has involved many activities far removed from climbing ladders, weighing young owls, keeping records and installing nest boxes. Over the years, there have also been hundreds of appearances at shows, fates, schools, on radio broadcasts and local TV programmes. And to bring this article full circle, it's even involved a brush with rock stars. In the early 1990s, Roy was at the BBC television studios at Pebble Mill in Birmingham for a show. Walking down the corridor with a barn owl in a carrier box and an eagle owl on his gloved hand. Coming the other way were four fellows in what looked like workmen's clothes. He assumed they were maintenance men. And as they passed, they stopped, quite intrigued by the two owls, and asked what type they were. 
when Roy said the bird on his hand was in fact a Bengalese eagle owl. One of the group quipped, Does it eat curry? Cue laughter. I failed to get the joke at the time, said Roy. I was in a hurry to get to the studio for the programme, so I rather rushed off. It was only later I realised the joker was Rick Parfit, and I'd cut short straightest quo. I was absolutely gutted. I could have given them a Worcester Barn Owl badge. Never mind all the gold discs. That would have been the ultimate accolade. Oh, what a delightful story. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> <laughs> This one, perhaps not quite so delightful. Thousands caught speeding on road. Thousands of drivers have been caught speeding on the A449 in Worcestershire since new cameras were installed just under a year ago. There has been, there have been 6,106 viable speeding offences detected and one slight injury collision recorded since the bright yellow cameras went live on October the 31st, 2021. Speed data collected at the end of the first six-month period of operation, November to April, highlighted a reduction in the average speed of traffic on the 50-mile-per-hour dual carriageway. The project is a partnership between West Mercia Police, Worcestershire County Council and speed technology firm Genoptic and was made possible through funding from West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner Road Safety Fund. The cameras differ from traditional spot speed cameras by monitoring a vehicle's average speed over a stretch of road rather than at a single fixed location. Drivers are less likely to brake suddenly for a camera and are more likely to keep their speed down over a longer period throughout the monitored zone. Between April 2018 and October 2021, there were three fatal, four serious and five slight injury collisions on the 50 mile per hour section of the A449. Since November 2021, there has been only one slight injury collision. Superintendent Steph Brighton said, We're pleased to see reductions in both speed and in people killed and seriously injured on the A449, and this was exactly what this project set out to achieve. However, we're not, we're not complacent and we will continue to evaluate the effectiveness of this scheme as well as working with our partners to identify ways to maintain the safety of the road to ensure we keep communities safe and protect people from harm. We urge all motorists to help us by driving or riding safely, complying with the speed limit and sharing the road responsibly. Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion said, I'm pleased to see the average speed cameras I've funded having a direct impact on improving road safety on the A449 with a reduction in speed and in people killed and seriously injured. Too many people die or are seriously injured on our roads due to inappropriate speed and driver behaviour. OK, another kind of... Um, well, another item related to road accidents here. Scooter injuries are not life-threatening. Police have confirmed how a woman came off an e-bike in Malvern last week, causing an air ambulance to be called to the area. A spokesman from West Mercia Police said, I can confirm that police were called at around 3.10pm on Wednesday the 21st of September. A young woman had come off an e-bike and was reported as being injured in Pound Bank Road. She'd been travelling at speed down the road and came off the bike. There was no other vehicle involved. 
She attended hospital, but her injuries are not thought to be serious or life-changing. Police believe that she may have hit a bump or manhole cover in the road, causing her to come off her bike. A spokesman for the West Midlands Ambulance Service had previously said the woman was travelling on an e-scooter instead of an e-bike. They said a woman has been taken to hospital after coming off an e-scooter in Malvern. West Midlands um, Air Ambulance Service was called to Poundbank Road just after three on Wednesday afternoon. An ambulance, a paramedic um, officer and the Midlands Air Ambulance from Strensham were sent to the scene. The woman was assessed and treated for her injuries before she was taken by ambulance to Worcestershire Royal Hospital. Her condition is not life-threatening. And this is about painting the night purple. Worcester has been recognised for its vibrant nighttime economy. The city centre has been awarded Purple Flag accreditation, marking it out as a destination for dining, entertainment and culture between the hours of 5pm and 5am. The award also recognises cities for promoting the safety and well-being of visitors and residents. Worcester BID has led the accreditation process through the past seven months alongside agencies including Worcester City Council and West Mercia Police. Sam McCarthy, Chief Executive of Worcester BID, said Worcester... Achieving purple flag status reassures and builds consumer confidence that our city is a safe and vibrant place. Purple flag assesses all the areas of the nighttime economy, looking at safety measures, how partners work together, utilising city resources such as CCTV and city net radio scheme. They also look into city enhancements, ensuring a feeling of greater safety. For example, New Street and Friar Street's festoon lighting, recently added by Worcester's BID, BID, creates a vibrant atmosphere but also adds additional lighting to the area, making it feel safer. To support purple flag status, Worcester BID is delivering Best Bar None accreditation, a home office scheme that ensures licensed venues are meeting licensed conditions. The BID has also installed five automated external defibrillators, AEDs, within late-night licensed venues around the city and wants to provide more in public outdoor areas. Councillor Mark Bayliss, joint leader of Worcester City Council, said Worcester has a growing reputation as a great destination for shopping, sightseeing, leisure and much more. Purple flag status confirms that our city is a great place for relaxing, enjoyable and safe night out and provides a great basis for boosting Worcester's popularity even further. Dean Hill, director of Tramps, Velvet and Mode, said, Achieving purple flag, along with best bar none accreditations, supports the positive steps that we as licensees and Worcester BID are making to raise the profile of Worcester and make visitors feel safe and have an enjoyable time. Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion said there's been a 47% reduction in the number of antisocial behaviour incidents from April to August compared to the same period in 2021. I want to see the number of incidents continue to go down, he added. 
Right, this story is entitled Impaled Boy Recovering. Parents of a boy who almost died in a bike accident said they're getting back to normal. Parents Danielle and Craig Blan were left distraught after they were told to wait two hours for an ambulance after their son's leg was impaled on his bike outside Dines Green Skate Park in Oldbury Road. Hospital staff were left shocked when they found out the parents had driven their son to Worcestershire Royal Hospital after being told no ambulances were immediately available. After two weeks of recovery, Jaden has come off crutches after recently being discharged from the hospital just a few days after the accident. Mrs Bland said, We're doing really well and things are getting back to normal. We're very, very lucky because Jaden was so young. He's recovered really well. He doesn't quite understand why he didn't get help and he knows how bad the accident was. The first two to three weeks after the accident were difficult but now my younger children can see Jaden walking again and he's not on crutches anymore. So they're doing a lot better. They're back in a healthy routine. I struggled at first but he's going to high school now. He started with half days, but now he's doing full days and he's walking without crutches. He's also hoping to go back to basketball this week. He plays for Worcester Wolves and they've been great the whole time. The mother of three said he was riding his bike in between a parked car and a wall and when he fell, the bike handle went into his groin. A family who also live in the area looked after the injured boy before his parents arrived. A West Midlands ambulance service spokesperson said the ambulance service relies on each part of the health and social care system working together so that our ambulances can get to patients in the community quickly. Sadly, the pressures we're seeing in health and social care lead to long hospital handover delays with our crews left caring for patients that need admitting to hospital rather than responding to the next call. The result is that our crews are delayed reaching patients. We're working incredibly hard with all our NHS and social care partners to prevent these delays, looking at new ways to safely hand over patients quickly so that our crews can respond more rapidly and save more lives. Okay, thanks, Catherine. This is um, a headline, Festival Turns Page. The new ma- a new festival of stories will soon be making its way to Great Malvern. The new Great Malvern Festival of Stories takes place from October the 20th to October the 23rd, featuring children's authors, professional storytellers and more. Events will be held around the town, including at the Littleton Well, the Coach House Theatre, the Cube and Malvern Library. The festival, which has been formed by Malvern Hills District Council in partnership with Boffy Arts and Events, is a celebration of stories featuring a programme of professional storytellers, children's authors, illustrators, puppet companies, musicians and theatre. Showcasing their illustration skills at the event will be Horrible Histories illustrator Martin Brown and Johnny Duddle, illustrator of the Harry Potter books. Taking place on Thursday and Friday of the festival is a programme designed specifically for Malvern schools. This will be followed by a family programme on Saturday and Sunday, open to everyone else. The festival programme also includes recently appointed children's laureate Joseph Coelho, a popular children's author and illustrator, Corky Paul, 
internationally renowned storytellers Peter Chand and Cat Wetherill, puppet theatre by Lempen Puppets, Indigo Moon Puppet Theatre and Sea Legs Puppets. In addition to this, there will be author-signed copies of books for sale, the Worcestershire Travelling Music Box and a children's window trail with a book prize voucher from Malvern Book Cooperative. There will also be an opportunity for local businesses to be involved in the window trail competition. Councillor Daniel Walton, portfolio holder for Tourism and Economic Development, said, We are so thrilled and I'm really proud that we're launching this new festival in Malvern. Reading and listening to stories play such an important part in children's lives and they contribute towards vital skills needed for the future. There is an exciting lineup at the festival which will be sure to spark creativity and imaginations. We hope families will have a fun, special time together. Steve Boffy from Boffy Arts and Events said, I'm really excited by this new festival and the programme we've in store for the Malvern children and their families. It's been a great fun for my team and I choosing as many authors choosing the many authors, storytellers, puppeteers and performers. We all hope this will become a much-loved annual event for Malvern. And this is about the thousands that turned out to see the countryside pursuits at the Three Counties Showground and Malvern Autumn Show. The three-day event kicked off on Friday, September the 23rd and has been welcoming people from across the region to take a look at giant vegetables, celebrity chefs in action, and enjoy live music. Several celebrities could be spotted at the event, including MasterChef's John Torrod, BBC Gardener's World presenter Arit Anderson, and Great British Bake Off's Chiggs Palmar. Mr Palmar, a finalist on the show, drummed up a large crowd with his baking demonstration and shared trip tips along the way. But one of the main attractions is the enormous vegetables, and one, a whopping 24-and-a-half stone pumpkin, had to be forklifted onto scales at the Malvern show. Carl Lamborn carted his vast vegetable on the back of a trailer to the giant National Giant Vegetables Championships in Malvern. Despite not being a record-breaker, the giant pumpkin weighs the same as a baby elephant. Carl, 52, of Reading, said it fell short of the world record and it wasn't a personal best, but I was still very pleased with it. I start with the seeds in April and it's a matter of just tending to it with a lot of care and devotion. I had to transport it on the back of a trailer, so you get some funny looks on the road, but I'm used to it as I've been doing it for around 15 years now. I grow all the vegetables that compete in the show, and that's a lot of fun to be part of. Growers from across the country travel to Malvern to see if they've broken any vegetables. Broken any vegetables? Broken any... (laughs) No, I don't think so. Growers from across the country travel to Malvern to see if they've broken any records with their jumbo veg... Peter Glazebrook was proud of his onion that won him second place. Mr Glazebrook said it took him 11 months to grow the onion. The show also attracts young and old. Thomas Balfour, aged nine, said it was the first time he's come to the show. He said, I love it. I'll definitely come again. And children were particularly intrigued by the huge pumpkin, especially with Halloween just round the corner. 
Abby Ng, who was looking around the exhibition with her son, said it's a first time at the, at the autumn show and we've been to the summer one quite a few times. We're having fun today and it's nice to get out and about. Food lovers were also excited to see Beefy Boy's van parked up at the venue. People could also enjoy live music from lots of artists through the three days with performances from bands such as Family Three Steel Band featuring Silver Crossdale, Carol Crossdale and James Crossdale. Sylvia said we've come to all the three counties events this year. The autumn one has been good, but we're from Birmingham originally. Right, here's another rural story in a way. Expensive milk churns have been stolen from an environmentally friendly farm, causing them a major financial blow. The milk churns belonged to Bennett's Farms, based on Malvern Road in Worcester, and owners are frustrated that someone has taken them, as they can cost around £100 each to replace. One of the owners of Bennett's Farms, Stefania Bennett, said, The churns being stolen is a big blow to us, as their replacement value is significant. For the investment to make sense, they should have been used for many years to come, rather than just several months. It's so frustrating that some people feel they can take what does not belong to them. They probably haven't even thought about the effect it has on our business. We deliver fresh pasteurised milk from our own cows to our local cafe customers in stainless steel milk churns, as it entirely eliminates waste waste from the cow-to-cup process. No plastic or even glass is required between our farm and our customer. Our customers wash the milk churns after use and return them to us, ready to be used again. The churns have presumably been stolen because they have a scrap metal value rather than because they're going to be used by someone or they may be sold on. We're keeping an eye out on eBay and Facebook Marketplace. The churns were left outside a cafe for us to collect when we delivered more milk in the early hours the following morning, but they had been taken at some point overnight. The churns were taken on Thursday, September 15th. Both 5-litre and 10-litre milk churns were stolen, with the 10-litre milk churns being the most expensive to replace. Mrs Bennett added, cafes go through a huge amount of milk, so using the milk churns allows us to store big amounts of milk and cut out plastic and wastage. It's a huge investment, but the idea is you get that money back over the years of using them, money you can't get back in only having them for a few months. We deliver milk across Worcester and Malvern six days a week, and at the moment we're using buckets that we've borrowed from the ice cream factory next door, but they won't last as long as milk churns do. The churns are nostalgic as well. People like to see their milk in them. OK, well, this is uh, our big story of the week, really. Um, it's about Worcester Warriors and their problems that sadly led to them um, being put into administration. Um, just a few different angles on it. One from Monday, the Saturday the 24th of September, um, story involving our local MP, Robin Walker. MP's revulsion at Warriors' owners. Worcester MP Robin Walker expressed his personal revulsion towards Worcester Warriors' current owners after claims they have not paid back a £500,000 loan to Cecil Duckworth's family. During an impassioned speech made 
in the House of Commons, Robin Walker MP said Jason Whittingham and Colin Goldring took a £500,000 loan from Mr Duckworth in January 2020. Wearing a Worcester Warriors tie, Mr Walker said, since Mr Duckworth's death in November 2020, Whittingham and Goldring have not spoken to widow Beatrice or the family over the status of the debt. He said, I cannot stress enough how upsetting and appalling this is. What is now striking, having discussed the matter with Beatrice Cecil's widow, is that the money was borrowed in January 2020 before any impact of the pandemic and long before the owners admitted the club's financial woes. Within a few years of taking control of the club and after one of their original investors pulled out, the owners went to Cecil and borrowed half a million pounds. Since his death, they have refused to communicate with his widow or her lawyers to give an update on the status of this debt or confirm when and how it might be repaid. They've asserted that half of the money is not owed as a promise as a sorry they have asserted that half of the money is not owed as a promise was made on the basis of a handshake to cover the costs of the then director of rugby Alan Solomon though there's no documentary evidence of this claim the family have accepted they will not contest it even after this there's been no further engagement with the Duckworth family on the remaining money and I cannot express in parliamentary terms my personal revulsion at the way in which those ch- charged with protecting Cecil Duckworth's legacy have behaved and seemingly continued to behave. Mr Walker added, As I'm told, the loan does not appear anywhere in the public published accounts of the club or the holding companies. It also begs questions as to how the owners are meeting their legal responsibility as directors and what other undeclared debts they may have undertaken. No wonder one potential buyer has this week called for administration to include, quote, a forensic investigation of financial activities, unquote. Mr Walker used his parliamentary privilege in which MPs can speak openly without legal ramifications to shine a light on the club's finances. The club's co-owner, Colin Goldring, has since hit back. He said, The loan has not been paid back. It was offset as agreed with Cecil against player sponsorships. The balancing payments are something we're happy to discuss with Beatrice on behalf of Cecil's estate. The statement from Robin Walker is not correct, in particular that any money was paid to Alan Solomon's former Worcester Warriors director of rugby. Cecil's loan went into the club to pay for players' wages. It was pre-lockdown. None of the rumours about asset stripping are true. The separation of land from club was done at or before our purchase. We inherited that structure. Okay. Okay, here's uh, another angle on the Worcester Warriors story. Fans devastated as club misses deadline. The media and a small group of fans descended on six ways yesterday afternoon as another RFU deadline for Worcester Warriors ticked down. The club was shut and locked up as owners Colin Goldring and Jason Whittingham failed to meet the deadline to evidence insurance cover, availability of funds to meet the monthly payroll and a credible plan to take the club forward. Mr Goldring and Mr Whittingham reportedly asked for a 72-hour extension on the deadline yesterday, but the Rugby Football Union issued the announcement at five. Staff had been told to leave the club as it would be locked up at 430 Former club president Roger Jones had pinned a poster up at the club which said, 
At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we shall remember them. Fans had also tied their own messages of support for the club to railings near the doors, using the hashtag #AtTogether. Also at the stadium was the Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Adrian Gregson, wearing Warriors colours. While another fan, who had come down to the club stadium, said, I'm devastated, absolutely devastated. My lad was seven when I brought him here, and he's just celebrated his 41st birthday. It's just devastating. All that Cecil Duckworth did, and it's just washed away. Head of the supporters group, Bob Lower, said, It's just delay after delay after delay. The previous evening, news had broken that Six Ways caretaker Lee Morrow and his wife were having to leave their home on the site due to the situation of Worcester Warriors. Messages of support rushed in for him and his wife on social media on Sunday evening. And one last one. Search on for a buyer. Administrators have begun the task of trying to find a buyer for Worcester Warriors. Independent insolvency advisers... Begby's trainer, are on site at Warriors Six-Way Stadium and have already met with key operational staff. Lead Administrator Julie Palmer said she has been left superbly impressed by Worcester's facilities and staff professionalism. Worcester was suspended from all competitions and placed into administration on Monday, which could also mean relegation. Warriors failed to meet a rugby football union deadline requesting proof of insurance cover and funding for the club's monthly payroll. Twickenham bosses also wanted evidence of a credible plan to take the club forward, but they had no response. Worcester's debts total more than £25 million, including at least £6 million in unpaid tax. Owners Colin Goldring and Jason Whittingham have been accused of asset stripping the club. The Warriors-Gallagher Premiership game at Gloucester on Saturday is off, with their next fixture scheduled at home to Harlequins on the 8th of October. Of course, that won't take place now. The focus is to accelerate conversations with interested parties, try and identify somebody who's able to move quickly, is credible in terms of funding and their credibility with the RFU, that they could pass the fit and proper person test, Palmer told the PA news agency. The Harlequins match remains under consideration, but I guess somebody would have to move really quickly in terms of funding and satisfying the RFU for if that was to happen. If over a period of weeks we, ha- we get someone who's credible into a position where it looks like it might go forward, then hopefully the RFU would work with us to extend those deadlines if they need ex- extending to get a deal over the line. The RFU have got their own timelines they need to work with in terms of a fit and proper person and making sure the plan is credible from their point of view. Palmer says it's too early in the administration process to suggest how matters might work out. But she asked, she added, I'm an optimist by nature. I've always got my restructuring hat on to see if we can find a rescue mechanism. We'll be working as hard as we possibly can to try and achieve that. I'm superbly impressed by the quality of the stadium, the facilities and the staff. I'm thinking that anyone who's thinking of, that any I'm hoping that anyone who is thinking of buying this would be similarly impressed. There's a really good club here. Two consortiums are so far understood to have expressed interest in buying the club out of administration. <coughs> and this is an ordinary story. Well, not quite an ordinary story, because a chap has got a curfew for a shop slap. 
a thief who slapped a shop worker across the face after being confronted for his stealing, has been placed on a curfew by magistrates. Ben Keat admitted assault by beating and three thefts from shops when he appeared at Worcester Magistrates Court. Owen Beale, prosecuting, said the 34-year-old had gone into the Tesco Express store in Pershaw on December the 3rd, stealing food items before leaving. Mr Beale said Kate then returned and was confronted by shop worker Dale Connor, who witnessed the stealing. Mr Beale said Kate picked up a bottle to steal it before slapping the worker across his face, knocking off his glasses when he tried to stop him. He ran out, knocking over a plant pot, the prosecutor added. Mr Beale said Keat had previously pleaded not guilty to the charge of assault, which had given the shop worker the added stress of waiting to see if he would have to come to court to give evidence at a trial. Mr Beale said Keat also returned to the store on December the 29th, when he stole three bottles of alcohol. The prosecutor added, among his past offences was theft from the store in October last year. Chris Agre, defending, said his client had a drink problem and was drinking eight cans a day, which he was getting support for to help him cut down. Mr Agre said, he has shown great remorse to me. He's ashamed of his actions. He's trying to change his ways, but he still has a long way to go. After lengthy deliberations, Chris Mitchell, chairman of the magistrate's bench, announced to the court Keat was to receive a four-month curfew. The chairman explained the curfew meant Keat had to be at his home address in Pindas Meadow, Pinvin, Pershaw, nightly, between the hours of 7pm and 7am. Keat was ordered to pay £100 compensation to the victim and total compensation to the shops for the, the items not recovered of £15.70. Keat was also told to pay court costs of £200 and a victim surcharge of £95. <coughs> this is a more general story. Another round of train strikes gets underway this weekend, and that is indeed this weekend coming up, um, as a row over pay and conditions continues. Workers at both Great Western Railway and West Midlands Railway, the two firms that run train services in Worcestershire, are expected to take industrial action next week. National Rail said it was inevitable that services will be cancelled or severely disrupted on strike days and that services will start later on the days after the strikes. On Saturday, members of ASLEF, the Train Drivers' Union, <coughs> RMT, the station staff and signallers, and UNITE, depot staff, will be on strike. Members of Transport Union TSSA at West Midlands Railway are also striking on Saturday. ASLEF is holding a second day of strike action on Wednesday, October the 5th, and TSSA members at Great Western Railways are striking on Thursday, October the 6th. RMT members are expected to strike again on Saturday, October the 8th. Both, both Great Western Railway and West Midlands Railway say they will only be able to run very limited service and are advising passengers to only travel if their journey is essential and they have no other means of transport available. Rail strikes had been planned for September but were called off following the death of Queen Elizabeth II. 
RMT General Secretary Mick Lynch said transport workers are joining a wave of strike action on October the 1st, sending a clear message to the government and employers that working people will not accept continued attacks on pay and working conditions at a time when big business profits are at an all-time high. We want a settlement to these disputes where our members and their families can get a square deal and we will not rest until we get a satisfactory outcome. TSSA General Secretary Manuel Cortez said... We do not take this action lightly. We would much rather find a fair negotiated solution to this now long-running dispute, but we simply have no choice. Across our railways, our members recently stepped up to the plate yet again and went above and beyond to meet unprecedented demand during the period of public mourning to provide additional services and keep the public safe, much like they did during the pandemic. They proved their worth time and time again, and yet they're still undervalued. OK, here's an unusual angle on the cost of living crisis. Pet shop pulls plug. A Worcester pet shop is being forced to close as the price of electricity continues to soar. Aquatics and Reptiles in Swanpool Walk is closing at the end of the month after 14 years in St John's. And owner Clive Longstaff says rising energy bills are to blame. We had our electricity bill go up from £883 a month to £2,190 a month in April, he said. There's also been a 30% drop in sales as people don't have the money in their pocket to go out and shop. The government knew this was happening in February. They knew that prices would be going up in October and again in January, but nothing has been done. Some businesses seem to be doing really well, but the retail industry has taken a massive hit. Clive said the cost of heating aquariums and vivariums is also hitting pet owners hard. People are giving up their fish tanks and reptiles because they're costing them too much at home, he said. We've had people coming in asking us to take on snakes, bearded dragons and fish because they can't afford to look after them anymore. These are tropical animals. Bearded dragons come from Australia and are used to and are used to 40 degrees centigrade heat, you can't scrimp on heating. Clive, who's been in the pet industry for 37 years, will be offering pond and aquarium maintenance services from his home in Malvern. Anyone trying to get hold of him after the pet shop closes in September, at the end of September, will be able to call or email him um, at aquacarepondservice at gmail.com. Another staff member, Lucy Goodaham, will be providing reptile lodgings trading as Worcester Reptile Boarding. As for the animals in the shop, Clive said, the reptiles have been slowly selling down, but we're not selling them off cheap. They're animals and they need to go to good homes. We're still making sure every owner is vetted to ensure they have the right equipment and the right setup. If the reptiles are still here at the end of the month, then the staff will be taking some home, and I'll be taking some home. This is about a city that goes wall-in for festival. Um, painters from across the U UK have left eye-catching murals all over the city, with some hidden away in unexpected places. The Worcester Paint Festival brings artists from across the UK and city-based creatives together to celebrate their artwork. A reporter from Worcester News visited the city to capture some of the murals, and this was last Saturday, the 24th. 
Crowngate Shopping Centre, Friar Street, Chestnut Street, Moore Street and Sansom Street are just some of the areas where you can find the artwork. Angel Place has been adorned in artwork by Katie Scott, Sophie Long, Engem, Angry Dan, Demoiselum and Egypt's. Katie Scott has used vibrant mix of oranges and greens to make a portrait that depicts a young woman. Sansom Street, near Fourgate Street Railway Station, is now adorned with two yellow characters. One is sleeping and the other has its eyes wide open. This mural is at the back of the popular gourmet burger and cocktail bar Hanbeo in the city centre. On Friar Street, an artist called Juan Tu impressed onlookers with their creative and eye-catching design. Over on Chestnut Street, the area was adorned with two new paint festival murals and an image of Ginny Lemon that was painted during last year's festival. Rosalind Peace, who lives in the area, said it's quite a few on this street. I love it. It's a bit of colour. A residential building next to the car park on Chestnut Walk has several flowers painted on it that follows the blue colour theme. On Moore Street, there are two different murals, first one depicting a badger and the other is a portrait. The badger was created by the artist Tankerone and the portrait was painted by Emic. Phil Blake created the floral mural outside Maryville House in Deansway. Angus created a Mario-themed mural at the entrance to Cathedral Square car park. By the river in Diglas Dock, sorry, Diglas Dock Road, dog waters and onlookers are being treated to a very colourful mural that's been tre- created by Marco Antonio, Faye Cask, Newzoo and KV- KFO crew guests. The mural contains lots of subtle detail, including an impressive-looking frog. Over at Cripplegate Park, there were lots of different artworks dotted around the playing area. An artist called Mr Ski created a mural that depicted green mushrooms and pink slugs. OK, well, that's the end of our general stories now. We, and given that one of the main stories this week has been about the rugby, we're each going to read one other sports story for you, um, which covers other sport going on in Worcester and the surrounds. OK, so I'll, I'll, um, I'll start with a story about the cricket. Worcestershire completed a superb all-round performance by taking the remaining four wickets to win by an innings and 79 runs on day three of the LV Insurance County Championship match with leaders Nottinghamshire at New Road. Nottinghamshire resumed on 1.29-6 on Thursday morning after following on yesterday and they were dismissed for 183 in their second innings. Dylan Pennington claimed the opening two wickets in his first two overs of the day before Josh Tung and Matthew Waite wrapped up victory. Worcestershire collected an impressive tally of 23 points from their fourth victory of the season, 16 for a win, 3 for bowling and 4 for batting. They recovered from 99-5 on the opening day and dominated the remainder of the fixture. Centurion Gareth Roderick and club captain Brett D'Olivera 
batted with great application and determination on a seamer-friendly pitch. The five-pronged Worcestershire seam attack then kept the pressure on Nottinghamshire throughout their two innings. The victory also keeps alive Worcestershire's hopes of the promotion before they take on Middlesex at New Road in their last match of 2022, beginning next Monday. Nottinghamshire head coach Peter Moores admitted his side had been on the receiving end of the type of attacking and positive cricket produced by his team for the majority of the campaign. Worcestershire needed only 10 balls to make the first breakthrough of the day through Pennington, who yesterday reached 40 first-class wickets in a season for the first time. Nottinghamshire keeper batter Tom Moores was undone by a delivery which hit the shoulder of the bat and ballooned up, and Brett D'Oliveira took the catch, running around from backward point to shortish third man. There was more joy for Pennington in his next over, when Patterson White tried to work a delivery to leg and was leg before wicket at 142-8. to Jake Ball struck some blows of defiance in making 20 before he fenced at Josh Tongue and was caught behind. Roderick then claimed his seventh catch of the game to wrap up proceedings after Dane Patterson played back to Matthew Waite. Nottinghamshire are still strong favourites to seal promotion and will need only a handful of points from the final game of the season against Durham at Trent Bridge. OK. Well, here's one uh, about uh, Mo Farah. Fellow veteran could inspire Farah. So Mo Farah has been urged to take inspiration from world record holder Eliud Kipchoge ahead of Sunday's London Marathon. Four-time Olympic gold medalist Farah has yet to announce his plans for the future beyond this weekend's event, but race director Hugh Brasher believes the 39-year-old is far from a spent force at the top level. I think that Eliud, who broke his own world record at the Berlin Marathon on Sunday, is proving that the age barriers that we used to think existed do not necessarily now exist, said Brasher. The door has always been open to Mo here. He is Britain's greatest ever endurance athlete in terms of Olympic and World Championship gold medals. Our history goes back with him from the mini-marathon to the fact that we supported him through his university, something that's not publicised very often. He's an absolutely superb athlete. He'll always be welcomed back, and we're really looking forward to having him here at the London Marathon on Sunday. I hope he runs really well. This is the knock-on effect that the Worcester um, Warriors have had. The fixtures at Worcester Raiders Football Club have been reversed while the club is unable to play at Sixway Stadium. The facility is closed following the announcement that Worcester Warriors has entered administration, with the ground also being home to the Raiders. The ongoing financial crisis at the rugby club has seen them suspended from all rugby competitions, as well as now being placed in administration as of Monday evening. The insurance for the stadium has yet to be paid, and so it is now out of bounds for all purposes, leaving Reinders homeless in the meantime. A statement from the club's chairman, Steve Harris, revealed that fixtures are set to be reversed in order to find a resolution. He said every option is being explored by the club right now. For the time being, we will reverse our fixtures in the Earlsport Hellenic League. We hope that a resolution will be found shortly so that we can remain at Six Ways Stadium. 
the chairman revealed he is looking at a potential ground share and had a number of offers on the table. Raiders were back in league action on Wednesday night in their latest Hellenic League Premier Clash at Long Levens AFC. Raiders will also be looking to extend their unbeaten run to seven games, having yet to lose a match and currently sit sixth in the table. But they have played two games fewer than the majority of the teams in the division. Raiders' weekend fixture with Westfields has just been rearranged, just like it was last Sunday when the two sides left in their in their FA Vars second preliminary round tie. Carl Gormley's men were beaten 2-1 by the Herefordshire side, which was just their second defeat in all competitions in the 2022-23 campaign. It remains to be seen as to whether Raiders have played their final game at six ways. Right, so that completes our story reading for this week. Uh, so we're moving on, and Jane is actually now going to read the thought for the week. And this is from Luke chapter 7, verse 37, 38 and 48. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learnt that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. Jesus said, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she has loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Thank you. Now, um, the next item is just to inform you of the sunrise and sunset times this week. So, as from th Friday the 30th of September, sunrise is at 0708, that's 8 minutes past 7 in the morning. Sunset, as from Friday the 30th of September, is at 1852, that's uh, just past 10 to 7, right? And finally, the birthdays. Uh, we have two birthdays this week, um, Margaret Batkin on the 4th of October and Margaret Allen on the 6th of October. And we wish you both a very happy birthday. Hope you have a nice time. That brings us to the end of this week's recording. So I'd like to thank tonight's readers, Jane and Dill, and of course Alex in the recording room and the production team for all their efforts. And we'd all like to wish you a very good week ahead. So it's time for me to say goodbye and... Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Jones, Margaret, formerly of Honeywood Road, Worcester, who died on the 21st of September 2022, peacefully at home, surrounded by her loving family. The funeral service is at St Clement's Church on Monday the 3rd of October at 12 noon, followed by inter interment at St John's Cemetery. Donations if desired to the Alzheimer's Society. Waterhouse Geoffrey, Jeff, passed away peacefully Saturday the 17th of September, aged 87. 
He'll be sadly, sadly missed by his wife, family and friends. Funeral and burial service to be held Wednesday the 12th of October at Worcester Crematorium at 1pm. And this is Derry, Sarah Elizabeth. Passed away suddenly on the 26th of August 2022, aged 68 years. Funeral service at West Hall Park Natural Burial Ground, Hall Burial Green, Redditch, B966JY, on Tuesday, the 4th of October at 12 noon. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for Midlands Air Ambulance may be left on the collection plate at the service or sent to EJ Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3. 7EU. Hart, Desmond, sadly passed away on the 23rd of August 2022, aged 89. A service to celebrate his life will take place at St Nicholas Church Earl's Croom on Friday the 30th of September, that's tomorrow, at 10.45, followed by a committal at the Vale Crematorium. Donations for cancer research and St Richard's Hospice may be sent direct to the charities. Morgan, Catherine Elizabeth, Betty, passed away peacefully in hospital on the 21st of August 2022, aged 86 years. A funeral was held in Sanath, Wales. A me memorial service has been held on Tuesday the 27th of September at Droitwich Methodist Church. For friends and family. Donations if desired towards the Oxygen Therapy Centre, Cardigan. Risburn, Terence Kipper, passed away on the 20th of August 2022, aged 80 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 3rd of October at 2.30pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for De Dementia UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Tabera Francis passed away peacefully at home on the 14th of September 2022, aged 86. Funeral service and interment will take place at Lower Broadheath Church, on Friday the 30th of September at 2pm. Family flowers only please. Donations if desired for Cancer Research UK may be sent to the charity or care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Bridges Robert, known as Murray, passed away at Churchill House Nursing Home on the 6th of September 2022, aged 76. Funeral service to take place at Wire Forest Crematorium on Friday the 7th of October at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please. Kind donations received in his memory will be divided between Prostate Cancer UK and Theatres Trust Charity supporting struggling theatres, both old and new. All inquiries, please, to Victoria Allen Funeral Services, 8 Charlton Rise, Ludlow, SY81ND, telephone 01584 
879035. Clark, John, passed away on the 13th of September 2022, aged 90. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 5th of October at 12.15. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for the British Heart Foundation may be left at the service or care of the Bedouin Funeral Services, 01905 748811. Steele, Graham, known as Ray, passed away on the 11th of September 2022, aged 83. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 4th of October at 3.15. Family flowers only, please but donations if desired for Cancer Research UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Mm-hmm. 